you've done all the quote unquote right things for your physical body. You're eating right, you're taking some supplements, you're moving your body, but have you ever stopped to pay attention to your soul's health, your emotional health, your energetic health? Take a listen to this episode. This is Don't Rush Me. Hey, I'm Maria Spear Alice, and I hate rushing. It never yields good things to rush, whether it's rushing to finish a client project or rushing to put on eyeliner. But when we have 10,000 things on our minds at any given moment, it's hard not to fall into that habit. I've had a lot of very specific technical training in my life. Hello, music school and law school. But none of that training prepared me for being a business owner, a lawyer, a wife, a mom, or really just a functional adult woman with a huge to-do list. I'm no guru, but I created Don't Rush Me as a way to talk more about the slow, simple tools you can start using today to make your life and business life a little easier. So whether you're a healer, a coach, or a business owner, a professional craving that slowdown, come with me as we learn about the small, easy things that can make a huge difference in your mind, body, or business. Spiritual and energetic health. Is that something that you've ever really sat to think about? It's something that my guest today is super passionate about, and I am so excited to give you a peek into my conversation with Kristen Willis. She is passionate about how the spiritual body actually programs how the physical body functions. And yes, if you need the scientific proof, there's science-based evidence for that. Kristen is a board-certified integrative and holistic health practitioner, Theta Touch subconscious release practitioner, and certified family constellations facilitator. She is mom, artist, and founder of Luminous Integrative Health and Sacred Medicine. Kristen believes deep wellness starts with connection to spirituality, energetics, inner family systems, and ancestral patterns. Shoo! And she partners with you to reconnect with your most vibrant, healthy expression. With over 13 years of experience, Kristen specializes in vibrational wellness, frequency medicine, trauma care, family systems work, ancestral healing, and quantum integrative healthcare. We're going to dig into what those things mean in a minute. Kristen is passionate about helping women and mothers embrace their sacred callings while connecting themselves and their families with their intuition. And she does this through individual and group integrative energy sessions and facilitating systemic constellations work. Kristen is incredible. I first met Kristen a couple of years ago when I was pregnant with my second child. And basically my firstborn is incredible and beautiful and healthy, but he was born via a very unexpected C-section, which went well. There were no complications except that I was a complete emotional wreck afterwards and just had a lot of internal battles about what I thought the birth experience was supposed to be like and what ended up actually happening. So fast forward a couple of years, I was pregnant, like I said, with my second child and um, I had come across Kristen's website, I think on the recommendation of a friend, or maybe I just found her on social media, and then I saw that a friend did her photography for her website. And I thought, wow, how serendipitous. And there was a piece on Kristen's website about working with and doing energy healing with mothers and expectant mothers so that we're not somehow subconsciously sending a message to baby that it's unsafe to be born. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. I knew that what I was carrying from my first birth experience, I did not want to carry into the next one. And so I reached out to Kristen and worked with her. And she's just so kind, so gentle, so knowledgeable. And I knew that I had to have her on the podcast. But before we get into my conversation with Kristen, here is your holistic history lesson on the Joshua tree. The Joshua tree is a member of the agave family. 
They only grow between elevations of 2,000 and 6,000 feet and in a very limited range within the Mojave Desert of California, Nevada, Utah, and Arizona. According to the National Park Service, years ago, the Joshua tree was recognized by native people for its useful properties. They worked the tough leaves into baskets and sandals, and they consumed its flower buds and seeds. But its uses didn't stop there. According to Spiritual Energy Today and Spiritual Practices, the Joshua trees are widely revered for their powers, often as a symbol of protection and guidance in ceremonies or rituals. Its leaves, flowers, and fruits are given up to the heavens as offering blessings through prayer and meditation. According to our beautiful guest today, Joshua tree flower essence are wonderful when people are working through the family line ancestry and any tree essential oil will help you feel that groundedness. Flower essence is the more energetic form of that. According to the Flower Essence Society, which I will drop a link to in the show notes, the Joshua tree awakens the human identity and gives the individual a distinct awareness of this awakening and the Joshua tree flower essence provides a spiritual structuring force and facilitates the unfolding of one's own wisdom and identity. Oh, I love that so much. So now here is my conversation with Kristen Willis. I hope you enjoy it. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Maria. I'm so excited for everyone to hear all of the wonderful things you do and all of the ways that you serve. And I read your bio, but give us an idea of, you know, who you are, who you serve and how you got into this work. Yeah. So I am Kristen, as you said, and I'm outside of Nashville in the country. And my work is helping guide people back to their soul connection, their connection with their intuition, and then helping them see how that fits in with their physical healing journeys. Root cause work is a really big buzzword now. And so uh, something that I really am passionate about is helping people see that root cause is so much beyond the physical body. So a lot of my work is people who have had a million surgeries or done so many procedures or taken so many medications and they didn't work. And that's when I kind of rub my hands together and say, oh, this means that it's it's beyond the physical body. It's something physical, uh, spiritual or emotional. That's so, so that- interesting because there is a lot of conversation out there, at least with accounts that I follow about your physical body health and root cause and integrative medicine, I guess, but very little on what you just described, how it could be yeah root cause spiritually or emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, it's something that a lot of people are not educated about. And it's just because um, the conventional medicine model has not had any way to benefit from that. It's not profitable for us to be connected. And the more connected we are, the more empowered we are, the more we might not need someone else to tell us what to do. We might start making our own decisions, heaven forbid, you know, and that's so beautiful for me to see people to begin to realize that within them is actually a wholeness already within them is already wellness and vitality. And it's some part of them that's become disconnected from that rather than just, I'm not eating this proper diet or I need to do these exercises. And those are important because every part of it creates the whole. So it's it's just a delight to help people have those light bulb moments and finally see, oh, like it is all connected. And what is it that that drew you to this or how did you get started doing this type of work? 
Um, I got started because, well, how do I even catalyze this into one <laughs> sentence? I grew up as a pastor's child and had a really deep connection with spirituality in the church setting. And I also noticed consistently as I got older that a lot of individuals who were devoted to this path were highly, highly unhealthy, emotionally unhealthy and physically, but really more the former. And I had my own desires of what I wanted to be and do as an adult, but really it was my own journey of healing through body trauma, church trauma, generational trauma that showed me okay, a lot of things people are expressing in their bodies is actually the result of suppressed emotions or unacknowledged events that were hard or immigration or things. And, you know, anything that doesn't go acknowledged becomes suppressed. And so if it wasn't in my body or my parents, it may have been 10 generations back when someone had an experience. And so that influences the epigenetics in the body. And my attitude and my um, personality is one that's a little bit of a rebel and a reformer. And so <laughs> this was like, I want to break these patterns. I'm not going to be the person to continue them. So it was really my own healing journey and mystery health symptoms that were only resolved once I paid attention to relationships feelings, emotions that defied any, you know, diagnosis or box that we could check from a standard medicine viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And I feel like motherhood or parenthood is one of those things that stops us too, where we say, okay, I don't want to continue certain patterns that maybe I've seen or heard. Yeah, it was very much that way for me. I've got three kids. And after the youngest was born, something inside me said, okay, we need, you know, it was a continual journey of inner work. But after that third one, it was time to, you know, shift things even more. I think we're on an ever evolving journey. So it's just a matter of how much we're willing to shift. But yeah, it really uh, helped me to realize that the patterns that we don't face are the ones that are passed on. So you know, it, it does feel like a lot of weight to say that out loud. And it's also so liberating to know that the moment we become conscious of a pattern, we can prevent that from being passed to our children just by beginning to engage with it a little bit. Yes. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with the cherry blossom study? No. Tell me about that. Oh, I'm going to tell you about it because I want the listeners to hear it too. So there's there was a study, um, and I learned this through Kate Northrup's um, I feel like it was Dr. Valerie Rain that maybe mentioned this, but don't quote me on that. So there was a study where they looked at mice, of course. However they did, they wafted in the smell of cherry blossoms. And as soon as they did that, they would shock the mice's feet. And obviously the mice did not like that. And then those mice had babies and those babies had babies. And so we're at the grandbabies of the original mice. And so they introduced the scent of cherry blossoms to the grandbabies. And they had, their hearts would start racing. They would start to try and hide. They exhibited these behaviors of, you know, anxiety, even yeah. though they were not physically shocked, you know, with accompanying that scent. Yes. Yes. I have heard of that. I didn't know the name of the study, but yes. Insane. Wild. And I feel that that, which you just described is something that, especially indigenous people, but people even in ancient times knew this, they knew it at a soul level and a heart level. And now our culture is so accustomed to data and information and studies. And in some regards, some aspect of us needs that to validate it. Yeah. And truth has been there this whole time. And so it's really neat to see spirit and science begin to not begin to, but kind of 
reintroduce themselves to one another because they've always been there. And I think that's truly the path to wholeness and wellness is, you know, a neat thing that I read about probably like a decade ago was that all conventional physicians, even in the 1800s and early 1900s, they knew astronomy. So they knew what was going on with the stars because it was just a given that it influenced what was going on with people's bodies. And so I just, just even hearing that one tidbit makes me go, golly, how have we gotten so far away from a model where we honored the connectedness of everything? And then how can we begin to embody this? Even just one person saying, okay, I want to do this with my family has a huge ripple effect at a quantum level because of every other person it connects with and influences. Yes, absolutely. I truly believe in that ripple effect too. So interesting. Well, I would love to know, you know, okay, someone comes to you and they're kind of ready to, to go on this healing journey on a, on a soul level or an emotional level. What's the first step when you're working with someone and they've done, you know, the right things I put in, I put that in quotes physically, you know, they're, they're getting off of, you know, medications and they're trying to do all the quote unquote right things. How, how do you start to go on this journey? Well, uh, it's helped me to just be really clear with people about what they're ready for before I work with them. So there's an, a process on my website where people can apply and it just goes through like, what have you done so far? What are you prepared to? How willing are you to investigate yourself, to have self-honesty? And so when people are responding to that and it's all tens, it's like, okay, you're really ready. And a lot of people who haven't done that work yet, I think that therapy is a great first start just to begin to be familiar with their own emotional processes. But when I do have someone and they come into the room or we have a Zoom session, it starts with a really lengthy intake. And a lot of it includes relationship with parents, relationship with self, with nature, with their body, and with their partners or close loved ones. And if we don't look at that whole, then we don't really have an informed picture of what that person is bringing that day, because it's really never about the left knee pain or I've had this shoulder thing for 10 years. It's really about, were you ever able to speak up as a kid? Did mom or dad ever validate you? Were they even there? Were they present? And a lot of times on that first call, people will say, I'll just say, okay, let's check in. I know why you're here because of the forms, but what came up for you when you were doing the intake? And almost everyone says, I've never, nobody's ever prompted me to think about these things. And so for me, the delight, I love what I do, but the delight is is seeing you, seeing the other person go, oh, aha, these are connected. And I never thought in the intake about how many hours I spend outside. I spend zero and I feel terrible, you know? And so I think really helping people to see that, helping people to see that dis-ease is really the result of disconnection, mm-hmm. whether that's at a familial level, whether that is at a level with nature or a level with the divine and and all of the above. Can you talk more about, about hours spent outside and nature and how that how that weaves its way into, you know, the spiritual and emotional piece? Yeah. So it's really um, at its most basic level regulation. And so because we are conscious beings on this planet, which is herself quite conscious, when we are with nature, it's similar. The best analogy I can think of is when you go for a massage, it takes a couple minutes and that massage practitioner feels through your body. And then you feel as the receiver and they feel as the practitioner, like, okay, we're in our zone. And, and it's a moment like, okay, I feel like the massage has begun now. That process is called entrainment. 
And when we spend time in nature, whether it's smelling a flower or walking on a path or just sitting under a tree, with enough time, our bodies entrain with the planet. And so the rhythm of nature, the negative um, ion exchange and positive ionic exchange, our bodies kind of do this. Mm, settling in. Yes. And it's what helps our bodies to be in a receptive state. So if we're always going, doing indoors under artificial light, our body's processes are not balanced and harmonized. So there are also great studies, even though we don't really need studies, but they are helpful that show that even hormone function is balanced by time in nature and by solar exposure and things like that. So at a basic level, I'll just ask people, do you spend time in nature? You know, what do you like to do? And if they're totally disconnected from nature, they're often disconnected from their own wild primal natures as well, because they're really mirrors of one another. That is fascinating. Isn't that um, cool? Yes. And I especially love how you said we settle into a, a more receptive nature because I think as women, you know, we are obviously naturally receivers, but it's so hard for us to receive. We just come up against yeah. whatever and, and we don't ask for help and we, you know, we just kind of trudge through. Yes, 100%. So nature exposure, when I have clients, especially if they've struggled with anxiety, which is most Americans, because we're all a little bit dysregulated or a lot dysregulated, is sit in nature every day for 10 minutes. Just get out there, ideally with your shoes off. And if you can't, or that's a sensory thing, don't. And almost everyone will say, so what is it about that? I feel so much better. And it's like, oh, you're you're regulating and you're grounding. So any frenetic energy you've carried, you're grounding it into the earth and kind of offloading. Think about animals, um, dogs and cats, you know, they're on the earth and the ground all the time and they're the most energetically grounded animals. So we have quite a bit to learn from them. <laughs> yes, so true. Gosh, that is so interesting. I love that. Okay, so I want to talk about family constellations, because I've seen some of your information on your amazing social media channels. And I find it so interesting. And I would love you to explain what it is. And I feel like, you know, my first question was like, okay, so do you have to have your whole family in the room? And then you do this work like with your entire family, which I know is not the case. But can you explain what family constellations is and and kind of the I guess the goal maybe of family yeah. constellations work? Sure. So family constellations work. I'll give you the quick bio first. The geeky part of me likes to give a background. So it was uh, probably widely came into awareness in, I want to say maybe the late seventies, early eighties, Bert Hellinger was sort of the pioneer of constellations. But once you get into it, it's, it's something that you see is really much older than him. It's just really this beautiful ancient practice. And he was a German missionary as well as a psychotherapist. And so he had those two, the spiritual and the psychological part. And he spent time with the Zulu tribes. And there's not a lot that's known about what occurred in that time. But after he was finished, family constellations practice emerged. And for people who have a psychology awareness, psychodrama is probably what it looks like the most. And the goal of Constellation's work is to bring ease and flow where there is tension. And so if we think of everything as cosmically or divinely aligned, whatever language someone would like to use for a higher power, then the flow of love is meant to flow through every family member and every part of the universe, every part of creation. All of them are connected by what we would call the quantum field, which is 
a field of information and it's kind of wrapped around us. It's both and. And it functions at the soul level. And so where we might, uh, I would call it like standard medicine might say, what's your problem? Here's your pill. And then we might go into subconscious work, which, which would say what's stored subconsciously at that mental level and energetic level. Constellations goes beyond those zones. So we would zoom out even more into the knowing field or the quantum field to say, what are the soul dynamics going on between you and your grandma, you and your mom, you and your liver. What's going on with your liver? So you can, family constellations is really systemic constellations. It's learning and looking at any system to see where there is tension in the flow of love, which is keeping health from being there. And health, you know, I'm just saying health, but that's got a, a pretty broad meaning. And so what we would do in the practice, you don't have to have a whole family there, but I'm going to pretend that maybe a mother and a nonverbal child want to be able to connect. What does this child, nonverbal child need? I think I'm giving him everything he needs, but it's, you know, something's not working. So what we would do is it could be just the mom there with me one-on-one with a Zoom, or she might come to one of my groups and she would, in a group setting, select someone to be herself and select someone to be her son. And this is the coolest part that defies Mm. our cognition is that people just have the intention to connect with the field and represent as the mother and the son. And then they begin acting as if they are. And so the son might be like, I just feel like mom can't even see me. And mom might be like, I'm trying so hard to do all these things. And then dynamics might come in like insecurity or diagnosis and because they're each energies in the field as well. And people, by just being able to see those energies, you know, it's that scientific concept that just observing something changes it, often changes the dynamic. And so if we're one-on-one, I would say to the mom, okay, let's drop in, see yourself in your constellation space. Do you see your son? Oh, it's so hard to see my son. Okay, I want you to take a breath and now drop into being him. Mm. Oh, I can see my mom fine, but she can't see me at all. So either way, you can uncover the dynamic Um, And it's really rich with a group because you get to just be the observer. And it's also almost freaky that other people can have mannerisms and such that that resemble the other people. But it's just because you're connecting with the field that already holds all that info. So it's part visualization, part, you know, plugging in for lack of a better. Yeah. Part experiential and plugging in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's neat in a setting because sometimes a family member might feel very unseen and they might like grab a pillow or blanket and just go, "Um, I'm going to go under this. I just don't feel like anyone. And afterwards, someone might go, that's how I felt my whole life. I always felt like nobody could see me. So, you know, it feels the people who do the work are usually called to it. It's highly effective. And phrases are very little, like, you know, there's not big dialogue. Like my whole life, I never felt like you saw me. It would just be it's hard to see you, but I know you're there. Or I am the mother, you are the child. So they're very small phrases of acknowledgement and belonging. And Bert Hellinger's, one of his, the premises of constellations is that everything belongs and there is a an order of how love should flow. So when a, an adult is has been put in a child position or a child in an adult, that's a distortion in the order of flow. You know, it can be very complicated, but at a basic level, if we can just see where there's tension and bring acknowledgement and belonging, then often those parts of our lives that are stuck have flow. And so with those little, um, he called them micro movements in the field, the I see you, I see you, you belong, those sorts of things, it eases huge tension. 
on the human level. The soul works very slowly and just these little acknowledgements do a lot. And so I'll have people call me, you wouldn't believe aunt so-and-so called me or my child's did this thing that they haven't done in five years. And it's because the soul informs what's going on with the physical body. Um, so it's just, it's outside of words, but I tried my best to kind of, kind of water it down for you into, you know, a concentrated explanation. No, that's amazing. And it has to be amazing to witness too. I mean, yeah. if only we could all, I mean, Nashville is still reeling a little bit from the weeks, from the events a few weeks ago. It's like, if only we could all just take yes. that kind of time to come into those spaces and yeah, it would, it could do so much. And it does. And it's beautiful, Maria. Um, I have been in a group for three years, three and a half years almost now with other women who do this, who are really intuitive where I ended up training and getting my certification in this group. And so um, because they do lots of work in the field, we will constellate tricky themes. So sometimes- mm racial injustice. We constellated during the last elections um, and and even getting other masculine and feminine. Can masculine see feminine? What about divine masculine? What about divine feminine? What about patriarchy, matriarchy? There are so many elements and facets to everything that when you can just drop in with the field, it takes away the mental chatter and the stories we've created to just see, okay, at a soul dynamic, how do these things interact and then to to represent becomes this really sacred act, whether it's just you and me in a session and you're representing for your child, your theoretical child, or you are in a group and together you say, okay, let's do racial injustice. Or, you know, a lot of times um, families are able to recognize themes in themselves and their bodies by dropping into their cultural group. So whether we have um, persecution or refugeeism or racism, when you can see it in the field, you're you're kind of even doing an act of service for your whole family line and the collective. It's really profound. Wow. And what is the, you know, generally speaking after, you know, after you drop into the field and you're, you're kind of releasing from that exercise, is it kind of like when you're dehydrated and you're like, okay, I need some water after that. Or is it more of a lift? Like you feel lighter if you, if that makes sense at all. <laughs> There's sort of a whole spectrum. It depends also on what you represented. So I was in a constellation once and a friend represented divine feminine and she just wanted to flow like water all over the floor. And she's a dancer in real life. And so it was so fitting that she should be divine feminine. And she afterwards was like, wow, this was amazing. I mean, months after we were like, remember the time you were divine feminine. And <laughs> sometimes you have to represent something like the family secret. Family secrets really impede the flow of love. So coming out of that, sometimes people will say, I kind of need a minute. I need to go outside and ground or I'm feeling so tired. So it depends both on the nature of what you represent. It depends on how you process energy. So it can be any of the above. Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned before a constellation, I think, or a relationship between you and your liver. How does that fit into this kind of constellations work? So if the principle is that everything in the universe exists at a physical, for humans, an emotional, a spiritual slash energetic and a soul level, then everything has a space in the quantum field. So I think of the field, I kind of have to understand it by going, well, what's the field first? So I think of the field, if I'm visualizing as this beautiful cosmic web that everything is connected to, 
And if we wanted to be geeky, which I love to be geeky, we could draw lines like from me to my kid, to my husband, to the plant in the backyard, to my dog. We're all connected because we all come from the same source that I think most people can agree on that. So if that's the case, if I kind of do this over here and I'm having a thing, then someone else somewhere feels it. And so similarly, our body parts are also connected into the field space because they are part of us. And they hold consciousness. So think of emotional patterns. We talk about liver, that's anger in Chinese medicine. So if someone is saying a lot of times when women come to me, I feel so disconnected, I'll drop in with them and just muscle test are all their body systems like talking to one another, their meridians. And a lot of the times it's a no. So sometimes we'll constellate, okay, here's your reproductive system or here's, and just knowing how body function works, it helps to have some of that knowledge too. We can just sit in the field and sometimes someone will be the liver and be like, well, I don't want to do anything right now, you know? And so we could bring a virus in or, you know, you can literally constellate anything. It's cool and sometimes overwhelming. (laughs) That is so interesting. And I mean, so we talk, you know, on this podcast about the relationship to, different modalities and different uh, mind and body ways that we tend to our mind and body and how they might impact or interact with the way that we do business as women. And, and to me, what it sounds like is, you know, your relationship with everything is connected. Yes. Yes. And it's been neat. I've had a wave of clients lately. I get waves where there are different health concerns and it always reflects something going on in the collective or it's something that I'm working through and I'm going, oh, look, all my clients right now are mirroring me. Mm. But I work a lot with women recovering from um, trauma with their bodies and with mold because we live in Nashville and there's mm. a lot of mold. And I've had a mold journey. And it's... Um, it has never failed one time that a mold recovery client is also very disconnected from their body. Your body is your home spiritually and energetically. It's your first home as your soul comes into human form. The body is the very first vessel that it ever inhabits. And so when there is a disconnection with that or a leak in our energy field, often that translates to leaks in our home because it's like, oh, if everything's connected and it's the same, how is the house any different from the body? And so it's also really fun to do the coaching and the integrative energy work that goes with it, which is helping people see these connections and then synchronize their lives and personal practices with, okay, how do I become more connected? Mm-hmm. But yes, everything is connected. It's it's really so beautiful. Wow. Wow. I feel like we could talk for an hour and I could ask you more and more questions um, but I do have a question you mentioned in your background, you know, how, it, how you were raised and that you were raised in, um, you know, that you're, I think you said you're, you're the child of a pastor, right? Yes. And so how I would love for people to hear just any way that you can explain this type of energetic work and what's the word I'm looking for balancing it with faith that someone might have, or if someone feels like they can't accept this type of work because of, you know, maybe what they've learned in a faith-based setting, any, anything you can share along those lines? Sure. Absolutely. I think what I would share, there's so much to say on that topic, (laughs) is if anyone has a belief in a creator of the universe or a higher power, or just if you want to call it universe, There's also a belief that there's a supreme force that guides us all. 
And so if that force was able to usher into being all that we see around us, that itself is energy. And so when we talk about energy work or being attuned to emotions, the first thing I say is that in ancient history, this was quite the process and everybody did this. (laughs) There's a really neat, there's a lot of literature that you kind of have to dig to find. There was a cool spiritual group called the Essenes that a lot of people believed Christ came from. That was kind of this beautiful, independent mystic group that looks a whole lot like our spiritual seekers right now. And so they taught the value of connectedness with nature because that's a reflection of connectedness with self and divine. And so what I would say is if you are still, if someone is still in the church sphere, and I still am passionate about my faith that hasn't gone away, it's shifted and deepened in different ways, but it's still there. If you want to look at scriptures or your um, faith and see that miracles and wonders and signs were energy work, they were a connection to a source power and um, a recognition that that same power lives within us. And so that's really what I believe that energy work is. It's just recognizing that that is something that we all carry And stepping away from the disempowerment dialogue that is prevalent in a lot of spiritual places, unfortunately, and being able to say, I remember something that was so um, wildly encouraging to me was Christ even saying, you will do all of this and more and greater things even than I. So, you know, hearing that was like, hello, guys, this is outlined for us. Yes. A one-time deal. And also, if we look at all the elements of nature and how the earth was created, it was through breath. It was through sound. It was through light. That is energy. And so when we're connecting, I do think it makes a difference to have intention. So when I have the intention, it's to connect only to the light. And so I think that differentiating factor is really important. And it's who we are at a most basic level. Look at, think about the sperm and the egg. And when they meet, there is this burst of light that happens. That's energy too. So I think if we were going to get, like even science is quite beautiful because it affirms this. I think that often fear of what we don't know is what keeps us from exploring different modalities. Yeah. And um, yeah, did that sort of answer your question? Yes. You articulated that so well. Um, yes, exactly. I, I'm, I'm, Yes. <laughs> I could go on and on because I feel very passionate about this topic, but I do think that at its heart, often there is so much fear of the unknown. And I think that if we're empowered in our faith, whatever that is, then that empowerment also should bring with it a safety to have curiosity. Yes. Yes. Safety to ask questions and a safety. Um, you know, a lot of people, and I'm not knocking anyone, will say it, it only has to be this way and this is how it is and nothing else. And I also think if we're created intelligently, which I strongly believe, then it also means we have a beautiful ability to reason and explore and go, hey, this feels like it fits this paradigm. I mean, constellations work wasn't in the Bible. And it feels like it honors the way the universe was created very much. And so if I am going to be tapped into that unique power within me, then that really makes sense, but it doesn't have a Bible verse for it, you know? So I think that's scary sometimes when we're stuck in a faith framework and that's also where each person is. And so where it is belongs. Yes. I was just having a conversation earlier today about just kind of in the collective, this, this, 
this mindset of black or white, you know, either or one of two options and how there's really so much more than that. And when it comes to things like this, like faith or I mean, pick any issue, right? Um, You know, a lot of it is fear, um, probably some trauma, you know, weaved in there, but it's like, it doesn't have to be, you know, either I follow these rules or what I've been told are the rules or I explore these, you know, this, this type of work, it can all work beautifully together. Yes. And something that, um, kind of baffled me when I started was I had, and still have a ton of clients who would identify as Christians. And when I started, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to help people in this way. And my guidance, my divine guidance always said, yeah, this is the idea is to normalize this because it was normal at one time and it is normal. And the bulk of people that I see who have some kind of faith um, experience or identification have all said, we feel like there's something more than just we've what we've been taught. And this makes so much sense. Mm. And so that's not me making it make sense. It's the realization when they come into contact with it, like, oh, this is just, it's not anything strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, I'm curious um, for for those who want to learn more, not just on the specific topic of faith, but also, you know, just the energy and the spiritual and emotional healing in general. Do you have, I, I, I'll put you on the spot, but if you can't think of it off the top of your head, we can just drop some links. But if there are books that come to mind right away, you know, a couple of books that you are your go-to recommendations. Yeah. A really great go-to that is pretty non-offensive for most people. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm gauging it by that, but most people can read it of any walk of life and be like, hey, that makes sense and I can handle this, is Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mays. And okay. it's beautiful. She comes from a Catholic background, but is extremely intuitive. So she talks about um, blocks with other people, blocks with self, how we give away our power. She talks about chakras and energy systems. And just she is so wonderfully concise. She weaves it all together. And then there's another great book called Natural Spirituality by Joyce Rockwood Hudson. And that talks a lot about just that, how we are meant to be connected with nature and how it does play a big part in our spiritual walk and our connectedness with God or the divine. Awesome. That's great. I will drop those, the names of those in the show notes as well. Um, And I have your website, but how can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Yeah. So if someone's interested in learning more about services or what I'm doing, my website is luminousspirit.org. And then if they want to just see posts and whatnot or get on my newsletter, you can do that either through the website or my Instagram, which is at luminous.spirit. You want to talk about your community for a second too, for those that might be interested? Yeah. So the community is actually taking a pause. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. (laughs) And um, because I'm homeschooling my girls in the fall, so I realized I really can't do all the things, even though my heart is very creative. But what I will be doing are a lot of group offerings and still doing one-on-one, but a big, I think we just need groups to heal. So there is an upcoming Constellation workshop, which is Saturday, May 6th, and that will be at my clinic Tennessee Alternative Medicine. Well, I don't own it, but I work there. And then that'll be an all day, nine to five. And so you can choose to have yours worked if you want to pay a little more or come and represent and be a part of it, which is equally wonderful. And then there will be a virtual um, constellation retreat on Friday, May 12th. So those both still have spots open. It would be lovely to have people in that. 
And yeah, lots more group work coming. So mom's group, constellations groups, and then just learning how to manage our inner work process through healing. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Real quick, can I ask you something? If you enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having this conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That helps so much in terms of our reach and our ability to reach other women who want to learn more about balancing the way that they do business and the way that they live with their mind and body. Thank you so much. This episode was brought to you by The Legal Apothecary. Hey, that's my business. I'm a licensed attorney and my practice is The Legal Apothecary, which is a female forward holistic legal service for creative women that want to focus on growing their influence and their gifts. And part of The Legal Apothecary is The Legal Apothecary Library, where I sell easy to follow contract templates for you to use in your business. As a podcast listener, use code podcast for a 22% discount on any of the contract kits that you find in The Legal Apothecary Library. Link in in the show notes.